0: God uses simple faith. Aren't you grateful for that this morning? I want us to take our Bibles this morning and find Luke chapter 1, the gospel of Luke chapter 1. And I'm preaching on this subject this morning, the God of the impossible this Christmas. The God of the impossible. Right along with... uh, The special the choir sang this morning as Mary in just her simple heart, and with simple faith, uh, said, Lord, let let it be done unto me, Lord, according to your word, Father, just as you would have it happen. Luke chapter 1, and we want to begin there in verse 26, so if you would this morning let us stand as we honor the reading of God's word. Verse 26, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at this saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, do, you, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. For he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? Since I do not know a man, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived the Son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible." And then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the truth of Scripture. May it guide us, may it lead us, Lord, in our journey in your word this morning. May we find this familiar, Lord, to be fresh, extraordinary, Lord, in our heart of hearts today. Thank you, God, that you don't need what we would consider, Lord, our best and brightest. But, Lord, you work through people and in places that we would never recommend, that we would never go to. That, Lord, perhaps in our lack of wisdom and understanding, we, w- we would find nothing of meaning or value there. Father, help us to understand today that what makes us useful, what makes us valuable, is that, Father, we've been created in your image. And God, help us to find, Lord, just as Mary said, Lord, be it unto me. God, help us in that same like faith to say to you, Lord, today, whatever you have for us to do, whatever your purpose and grand plan and design for our life is, give us that simple faith and trust to say, Lord, be it unto me. We love you. We need you. Guide this today that, God, it would bring fruit in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. You know, we live in an increasingly skeptic world that you find people saying that we cannot move outside the realm of the natural to, to solve our problems and our issues and things of this nature. But we have to recognize and we have to understand that there are simply things in our life, there are simply things in our universe that are beyond a natural explanation. And the reason they are beyond a natural explanation is because our world in which we understand uh, the laws of nature, we also understand certainly as Christian people that there is a God who set that natural order into order and because God is supernatural in nature and he is outside the creative order therefore he is not subject to that creation um, whatever it is you know you're gifted at you're a craftsman you're a carpenter uh, maybe you can uh, make uh, things out of pottery uh, out of clay and turn beautiful things into, into pottery and things of that nature. Or, you know, as, as we uh, witnessed yesterday, if, if you were here uh, at the funeral service, uh, Miss Betty, uh, a great quilter. And to just see uh, the beauty of that. That's God's talent uh, being used and expressed. But the person that makes whatever it is you're gifted to make, you are the sovereign over that In which you make. In other words, however grand uh, craftsman or designer you are, that thing which you made does not say to you, you must have me. You must do X with me. Because you're the creator. And you have the sovereign will and the power to put something in a kiln and when it comes out, you have as much uh, ability... And you have as much will to decide I will drink coffee out of this vessel or I will use it to store trash because you are the Creator. And you have sovereignty over that which you have created. And the Lord is the Creator and the Sovereign over all of the universe. It has all been put here by supernatural means. Now, now there will be those in our culture today that would say, Preacher, you're wrong about that. And there are those in even Christian circles today who would say, you're wrong about that. We cannot explain the origins of the universe and the origins of life through uh, supernatural means. We have to use natural means in which to do it. Okay, that's fine, but you must understand there is no natural means that will explain that. You say, well, science tells us that there's the Big Bang. Well, understand that there is nothing natural There's nothing scientific about a belief that nothing exploded and made everything. And that is what that is. So you you cannot argue that there is some material, natural means to get us to where we are today. That method simply doesn't exist. So everybody to some degree is operating out here in in the unnatural world. Things happen like that all the time. People go to the doctor. They're having headaches. They go see a doctor. They wait six months for an appointment. They go to some strange place, uh, put on a very uncomfortable gown. They lay on a table for a long time. They get a bunch of tests run, argue with their insurance company about providing coverage for those tests. And then finally later, weeks later, who knows, you get a result back and they say, uh, based on these tests that we've run, you've got, you've got brain cancer. And they're going to stage it, and they're going to say it's in stage one, two, three, four, uh, And then they're going to tell you we think we can or we cannot do anything, and they may leave you with the diagnosis. You have terminal brain cancer. There's nothing we can do about it, and you probably have about six months to live. And in the natural world... They say, nothing we can make, nothing we can produce, nothing in a lab, nothing with some name you can't pronounce behind it, and a data sheet ten ten years long uh, can explain it, that it doesn't exist, nothing we can do for you. You're a person of faith. You read in your Bible that the Word tells us that if you're sick, to take it to the elders of the church to anoint you with oil and pray. And they ask a sovereign God working outside the natural realm to do the supernatural in your life and bring healing to you, that which there is no other means for. And you do it in faith. And let's just say that God, in faith, responds. And you're you're healed. You notice the headaches are not there. They diminish. And you go back to the doctor. And you go back to the foreign place. You go back to wear the uncomfortable gown. To sit on the table. To go through all of the tests. To get stuck and stuck again. To argue with the same people about paying for the same test. And wait the same number of weeks. And finally somebody says this. We don't understand it. But we cannot find cancer anymore. And you say, to God be the glory. Hallelujah. Folks, that happens. That is a supernatural thing. And there are not natural means to explain that. And everybody today, to some degree, at some point in their life, is working outside of this natural world to some degree. And you, and even Christians today who would who hammer the idea that we don't have to know all the answers in science, which, by the way, the definition of science is knowing answers, by the way. Just want to throw that out there? That's what science does. It's provable, producible. Not jingoism and magic, but actual science. And they said, we don't, we don't need to try to understand these things. Just believe in Jesus. Just read the Christmas story. Okay? Okay? But you do understand, Christian, that the Christmas story and the hymns that we sing about that story are songs that speak of an unnatural and a miraculous birth? Hello, right? You ask me what's easier to believe. You ask me what takes more faith to believe. Paul said you can look around in the heavens. You can look around the world that you live in and you come to a conclusion. That this has been made. That this has been something, someone, so, so that we know we didn't do it. Somebody's a creator. That's why every culture on the earth, Christian or not, is worshiping someone out here. And they're doing something in an effort to appease whatever they believe is out there. To have a good crop, to have some rain, to have some kids, to make the bad things go away and good things come. That happens on every square inch of geography on this marble floating out in the middle of nothing. And our job as Christian people is to do what? To point to people and say, that which you know is out there, let me tell you all about it. Let me tell you the fullness of who that is. We all recognize to some degree that the unnatural, the supernatural exists. And when it comes to our Christian faith, we can say, well, uh, I believe He's the Creator. I don't know the details of that, but just believe in the Christmas story, just believe in the Easter story. And I, that's, that's right, we need to believe it. But you understand, there is not a scientific way that a virgin can have a child. And you understand that there's not a scientific way that a dead man walks out of a grave three days later. And you understand that a man that walks among uh, men and women for 30 some odd years of his life and then leaves the planet Those things are not and will never be able to be explained in a natural way. The salvation that we have by faith is a supernatural event. Or I can just say I'm going to be saved by my own good intentions and works. It's either grace or it's works. And if it's not grace then it's the material, it's my work, it's my effort, and all I have is some natural belief, and that ain't going to get me to a supernatural place. That's been designed by a supernatural God for a people that have experienced a supernatural rebirth. And one day, according to Scripture, it's going to have a supernatural resurrection. Everything about us, folks, is we're Supernatural. We believe in a supernatural God and we've experienced the supernatural nature of salvation that is outside of origins in which we can explain. And I am so grateful today that I don't have to explain it to be the recipient of it. Amen? By faith. Mary reminds us that God is a God of impossible things. Matthew 19 Jesus is having a conversation with a rich man. rich man won't give up his goods, right? And the Lord looks at His disciples and He says, It is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of heaven. And all my life I've heard a lot of explanations of this. I've heard, well, that when the camel gets down to the gate at night to get into the city, uh, the camel's got to get down on his knees and can barely get through and they'd have to unload the camel to get the camel through. And that sounds great until you read the next couple of verses. And you realize in the next couple of verses that Peter looks at the others and says, Well, then how is it possible for anybody to be saved? Because God's making a point that man can't save himself. No matter how low he gets, no matter how much he gives away, You know, we we use it in our culture because we know everything. We say, well, it's just about the rich man must give up his treasure. But doesn't that just fit in so conveniently with our social justice gospel today? If if we just become more benevolent, we'll be saved. Let me tell you something. God-fearing people don't have a problem with being benevolent. God-fearing people don't have a problem with being compassionate. Because the Holy Spirit brings about those things in our lives as a, as a natural result of the supernatural re- reaction to a God that saved us. But our world says, we'll just give it all away. We, we can be saved. That's the lesson there. And Jesus says, no, that's not the lesson. The lesson is that anybody being saved is impossible outside God Almighty. Nobody gets saved because you You give a lot away or you do a lot of stuff. We all get saved for the same reasons. Broken over our sin and we come to a holy God and we beg for forgiveness. We we realize we're broken, we're not fit for heaven, no way we can get to heaven. And we realize that if that is true, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him will not perish but have an everlasting life. If that's true, God, I want it. I need it. I want to be saved. And the Lord said, if you call, if you ask, I will. Supernatural. Faith. Mary reminds us of that. Here's Mary, young girl. 14 years old maybe, somewhere around that. Much different world then. Culturally speaking for sure. And she walks in the house and she's greeted with an angel. Mary has a natural reaction to that. What in the world is this? She she didn't know what she didn't know what manner of greeting it was because she couldn't get past the fact that he was in the house. You come home and there's a stranger in your house. What they said is not important. Why are you here, man? We recognize not only there was curiosity here, there was fear here because the angel says, you have no need to be afraid. Rejoice. God's giving you grace. And the angel gives her a, 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 a picture of something that's supernaturally going to happen here and God is going to accomplish this impossibility in the most obscure unexpected place I'm going to say this and I believe it to be true because I think I've done my due diligence to make sure of that but I could not find in the Old Testament this direct reference to the place Nazareth the obscurity of it Region of Galilee, a city of Nazareth. It, it was such an obscure place. You know, you find there in John, one, one would later ask, I mean, is there anything, any good thing that can come out of Nazareth? Why, why Nazareth? Back several years ago, a, few, a couple years ago, I had to get off the interstate near Forsyth to detour to get around a mess of traffic and I went through a little place, I think it was called Smar. Smar, Georgia. Never heard of it in my life. I just, for that moment, I realized Highway 41 went through it uh, and I could take a couple of other roads and get back on the interstate and get around the mess out there. Never heard of Smar in my life. Don't, I, don't, I can't even remember if I had a red light. Just an obscure place. Understand that the prophets of God, the prophecies of God, all of these things that are unfolding in our world and in our culture today that we're seeing things working to uh, an end and, and, and a people that God chose and, and all of this is happening in a place about the size of New Jersey. All of this history takes place in a in a about geographically somewhere around the size of New Jersey. God does impossible things in unexpected places. God would choose the obscurity of a, of a town that not even many people even knew or recognized to bring about the provision for our salvation. There's a great application here. A great application for us living today that it does not matter where we are, it does not matter where we come from, does not matter where we live, wherever we're occupying space right now is an opportunity for God to do some extraordinary things in that place, in that town. In this community. Nothing is off limits with God. Nothing is outside the realm of possibility with God. We, we often in Christian circles today, we're, we're looking for if, if Atlanta was to get right. Folks, Atlanta ain't going to get right. It's, I, I'm not... I'm not saying that God can't do great things out of there but I'm saying culturally Atlanta is lost they love it and they're propagating it and evangelizing that lostness just like we're supposed to be evangelizing the gospel you understand the rottest, cancerous thing in our culture today is the LGBTQ alphabet mafia that is the biggest disease we're fighting as a nation today Gender dysphoria and all of that stuff, the hotbed for that nationally is Atlanta, Georgia. They're the monkeypox capital of the world. They are. Because the lifestyle of promoting that stuff and the lifestyle that produces mass mo- monkeypox. Is there is a hotbed for that in Atlanta, Georgia. It is what it is. And they propagate it. They evangelize it. They promote it on every television channel. After every event. It's on the billboards. It's everywhere promoting a lifestyle of immorality, ungodliness, sexual perversion as a better way It happens everywhere. God God does not need what we see as celebrities, important places to have some movement of God. We need to trust God to do a work, a sovereign, miraculous, supernatural work in our lives in the place that we're taking up space in. Just as just as Mary would choose to do. Not only does God work the impossible in these unexpected places, but God also accomplishes the impossible in some very unexpected people. You know, you recall later there as we read through the fullness of the story as the Magi would come and they would, they would ask the religious leaders where the, uh, the, the Savior was to be born. They knew exactly where he was to be born. And you get this sense of arrogance that how would you know? We're the prophets, man. You're you're some priest from some crazy religion out in the middle of some desert somewhere. The audacity for you to think you know that our king's been born. The arrogance in their response. And then the fact that they didn't even walk six miles to go see Folks, God uses obscure places and he uses the unexpected people to bring about supernatural things. God chose Mary. God chose Joseph. God chose Elizabeth to carry John the Baptist they couldn't have children God said to Sarah or He said to Abraham Sarah was listening in the tent behind them You're uh, Sarah's going to bring forth the son and she's like laughing I, I don't know who these visitors are but huh, if they think I'm going to have a child whoo yeah and Abraham's like I'm pretty, I appreciate the confidence brother, but I'm pretty old. And yet God said, listen, not only am I going to do it, but uh, I need you to name that child Laughter. Just so every time you say, Isaac, get in the house! You'll remember. Yeah. Yeah, he, he said it. God took those who said we We can't have children. We're beyond childbearing years uh, to have children. Pretty important children to where we are today as God-fearing people. And God used this obscure maidservant, young Mary, not even married yet, just on her way to, to, to becoming the wife of Joseph, and, and yet she would be the instrument that God would use to bring about His Son, the incarnation of God in our presence. You go, you go ask the Pharisees of the day, y- y'all, y'all pick someone that the Lord will use. Oh, they, would, they, would have, they, would, they would have spent oh, great diligence in searching. Oh, they, would, they, would have, they would have wanted the right lineage, the right heritage, all the, all the, all the I's uh, dotted and all of the T's crossed, as we say. And fundamentally today, we still look at what God will or won't do or what God can and can't do. We measure that based on our our understanding, our belief, based on our assumptions and our evaluations. That's not how God works. And I thank God for it. God works in the hearts of those who will make their heart prepared to be used by God. That's who God works in. Doesn't care about heritage, unless it's his heritage, but doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter your, your lineage. It doesn't matter who's, who's who's who among whatever. It matters are you faithful? Do you believe? It matters, are you are you a person of conscience, a person of character, a person of godliness? A person that is pursuing holiness. Not perfection, but pursuing the holiness of God because you recognize that the Spirit of God is working and alive and active in your life. And there's a need and a desire in your life to be an active disciple of Jesus Christ. And that you're available. That you're available. That your time, your talent, and your treasure is available. So many of us, are we miss God working and doing extraordinary things in our lives because we're just too busy. Our time is, is divided up in so many ways, there's, there's little to anything left. It, it's, it's a struggle in our, in our busy world today. I deal with it. I know you do too. We gotta be available. We have to be available. We have to, when when God says go, who is he talking to? (laughs) Somebody else. What? You know, he's talking to you. He's talking to me. When there are principles and precepts in his word, those principles and precepts are for me. They're for you. And we stand much to reap for the glory of God when we make ourselves available. Mary was available. God gave her the plan. Explaining it to her in some detail. This is what's going to happen. And Mary, after taking in this plan, what is her response? Let it be to me according to your word. That response simply means this, that this 14-year-old girl or so that did not have everything figured out, she simply said, I don't have to know the end To trust God. I'm trusting in a God that made the beginning and the end. I will be available, Lord. Do what you must. I'm your servant. Uh, Lottie Moon, I'll close with this. She made this statement. She said, I have a firm conviction that I am immortal until my work is done. You know what that that means? When I am available and being used by God for His purposes and for His glory, I'm untouchable. I will not, as a child of God living on mission, the will of God in my life, I will not leave this world prematurely. I am invincible until the Lord is done. And it is only at that moment that I am immortal. And at that moment, as the scriptures tell us, it is at that moment that the immortal or that the mortal puts on immortality. Because God's in control. And God has prepared and is preparing us to be used by Him. What, what keeps us from that? Our faith, our life, and certainly our time, our availability. Heaven only knows the joy, the completion of that story as it was, was unfolding through the life of Jesus. How it began and how it ended. How Mary began... Rocking her baby to sleep to the point of holding her child that's now a grown man dead on a cross to be part of those who would take care of his body and give him a decent burial. What a life. What a life. God does impossible things in in unexpected places and He does impossible things through unexpected people. Hey, let's be the unexpected people living in this unexpected place to be used in extraordinary ways for the glory of God. Let's pray this morning. Father, we love You. We thank You. Father, we confess our need for you. God, empower us and encourage us to live mission-filled lives for your glory. Thank you for the simple faith, the example of that simple faith in the life of Mary. May it be said of us that we would simply be available to be used by you. Grip our hearts with that conviction, I pray today in Jesus' name. Amen.